Welcome, guys, to the Jungle Series Part 2, Securing the Corporate Bag. I'm your host, X3C. Thank you for joining. As we continue our conversation with our guest speaker, Paul Prince, we're going to dive right into this episode and the cover, Negotiating Raises and Salaries. Specifically, we want to talk about how do you secure that bag, right? And so in negotiating raises, there are some things you want to be aware of. And of course, I've asked Paul in his experience to maybe share some of those tips and tricks, um, not tricks, uh, tips that he would um, suggest that we want to um, to avoid and or to utilize when negotiating uh, raises. So before we get into that, I do want to talk about this article that I've found where it talks about avoid these five phrases when asking for a raise and what to say instead uh, according to like uh, salary negotiating experts. And so I do consider Paul to be one of those salary um, negotiating experts. He again have been, he moved around in many different companies in many different industries. And so he definitely have the knowledge and experience and, and, and learning from some of the pitfalls and some of the successes that he's had. And number one here on the list, they talk about um, more money. So when you are in that particular session or you're negotiating or you have that discussion, um, never say more money. What to say instead is an exact salary range. And so too often negotiators freeze up when you, when naming their requests, right? They shy away from real specifics. So, you know, you give them a range they feel a little bit more comfortable with a high and a low. Um, and so I think that is is pretty important to to maneuver. And what do you think about that? That first one, Paul. I think what people will see as a trend and in, in listening to the actual words, you know, words matter. You know, that's, that's my business. Words, uh, storytelling. Uh, even in this moment of of uh, negotiating salaries, negotiating raises, you're still telling a story about yourself. And most of the the examples that X three C is going to give you. The the negative example uh, is less thoughtful and it's less, um, I say specific, but it's, it's not thoughtful and it doesn't seem that you really know or can stand behind that decision or that thought of what you're trying to do. So, for example, oh, I want more, more money. And they're like, OK, what does that mean? You know, but given a, an exact range. Um, does help. And I, there's one pivot I'll do after this. Um, X3C is like, you know, researching, you know, jobs and cultures. I feel like that is another foundation to to doing this, to understanding, you know, what salary range you can ask for or you should ask for. And then obviously all the rest of the five that you will, will give. But yeah, I totally agree. The, uh, most of the language that you'll see or hear from X3C, it's negative. And I think it's in a sense lazy and um and, and that you you want more money, but you're not codifying that with a range or with what makes you qualified to get that. Yeah, but, and I think um, that's important. When you think about the range, um, you are thinking about uh, well, not you've done your research, right? You've, yes. You've, you you dove into that that particular organization and our industry and and profession. So I want to say all three: organization, industry, and profession. And you've looked into what matters. Um, as a, as a salary range, a salary requirement. And so coming out with a range makes sense and it totally, you know, provides that you've done your research as, as Paul just mentioned. And so as we dive into number two, uh, the phrase to avoid here is, I think I deserve this because, rather instead you should say, I deserve this because, right? And to you, to your point, you mentioned earlier, words matter. That word, I think, right, and that's really mm -hmm. passive, very passive. And and you know, more and more, you know, we want to move more into the active voice, which is I deserve this because you know, I've learned that in my current um, job, where um, passive voice is really viewed negatively mm -hmm. in, in the job space, and so um, no confidence, uh, right. no assurance. You know, lack possible skills. That's that's what people interpret from that. And that's exactly what what the article is saying here. They are uh, they are not as confident as they would think of an organization, and they're afraid to articulate it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it is important that you you speak in that um, active voice. And it's I don't I don't think I deserve. It's I deserve. Right. You speak on confidence and authority. 
Um, and number three, um, I was hoping for. But what the experts say here is instead, based on my experience, is valued in the market and in this organization, I would expect. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. You're holding people's feet to the fire with facts. Um, it's interesting, like I said, if you're listening to the actual word choices of the negative and the positive, like in three, it says, I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. um, again, I was hoping, me. hope means that in my uh, definition, is that someone has not done the research. They don't know what's actually possible. They they haven't done much research on um, what other people may be getting, you know, in um, comparison to me. But based on how my experience is valued here, so of course you know that you, you've gotten either a, a good report or a performance appraisal or some attaboys that people are saying, like, your work is top-notch, is grade A. Um, in this market, in this organization, I would expect. So you have, you know, not only documentation, but you also probably have um, people's word of mouth. And, and um, as we talk about recommendations in LinkedIn, people are saying this about me and my work. So I expect that my salary would be X, Y, and Z. And knowing what that is does help. Absolutely. And number four here says, I'm going to have to go to the competition. That's <laughs> that's interesting. I'll read that one again. I'm going to have to go to the competition. What you should say instead is, I receive other offers, but I'm more interested in making this position sustainable. And so this is a very dangerous game of threatening to quit. Um, yeah. Your boss may tell you to pack up your shit and leave, right? Because um, yeah, this could be... You have no leverage, right? Yeah, this could be where you're either entertaining a job offer or entertaining a promotion at the same uh, company firm or agency what's interesting here is that you you want to still deal in facts you don't want to get to the point where you're kind of you know where you're playing chicken <laughs> with your career um but if you actually have other offers um of course wait to their firm <laughs> so you can make some decisions on whether you want to stay or go. Right. But two, again, this is part of you, you know, mapping out your career, knowing what's best, what's the best possible move or the best next move for yourself. So even if you are just trying to push out extra money, um, you know that that's still on your path of going somewhere else. Um, I receive offers yeah I, I would say dealing the facts um and you don't have to give all your cards away this is like you're playing spades or uno you don't have to you don't have to give all your cards away but you do want to couch it in a way that people know that you're serious they know that you um are earnest about the offerings that you give and want to be compensated for them um but again one thing that i mentioned earlier that you know one has to be cognizant of is of course, researching a company, researching that culture and understanding how they reward success or successful activity and behavior and what their capability is to do so. Because as much as they may, you know, send you an attaboy email and say that you're freaking amazing, um, their performance uh, incentive structure may not be other than like, like I've been at some crazy um, uh, opportunities where it's like, oh, well, everybody gets their $1,000 or $2,000. And I'm like, well, I've freaking been a rock star and this person over here barely comes to work. But we're all getting the same incentive. Um, there are some where it's like, it's uh, nobody, there's only one person that can walk on water <laughs> each right. performance period. So if you're not, you know, selling yourself or doing, you know, exceptional work, you're going to get a percentage, uh, but probably not the percentage that you probably think you should get. So knowing, you know, not only the work culture and how they award performance and success, also knowing their capability to give so, um, such um, helps you realize, like, is this a good career opportunity for me or is it may be a good career opportunity, but I just know I won't be compensated as, as much as I probably should be unless, unless I go somewhere else or work in a different industry. But something good to think about. And I think it's important to remain positive uh, throughout mm -hmm. that process. Um, it's more effective and collaborative in that way. And and one additional piece that I would say um, as one, you know, is negotiating uh, or considering negotiating for more money um, is to keep in mind that you don't want to burn your bridges and you want to be able to have uh, 
a, a productive conversation where you may want to boomerang back to this organization after you have left for air quote greater passage, right? You, you've, you have the opportunity to experience a new role, greater salary potential, but you also may, you love the organization you're currently working for, right? So I'm just going to leave for a little while, right? I'm, I, and you want to articulate that. I'm leaving to gain greater experience and knowledge in a particular area. I think that is more specific to, to my development, but by means, by no means, I'm not, um, leaving this organization in any way that is, uh, you know, in any negative way. And, and if there's a future at, um, position or, you know, a way for me to return, I absolutely will consider it. I think those type of words and articulating that I think is very important. Um, even when you're negotiating I, I, with a actual, you know, put hard or soft salary. But right. I will also tell you, Warren, and, and we've we've talked about this too. Um, again, like I said before, and again, I you have to know your worth and know what's in the realm of possibility when you're making some of these decisions. Um, but I would also play a little devil's, devil's advocate is in the sense that um, no one's gonna gonna um, protect your career, or protect you like you. And so sometimes you have to like stick up for or stand up for yourself um, in certain opportunities and and not worry about how the losing entity is going to feel. Because at the end of the day, if you drop dead um, on January 2, 2022, um, they're going to have that. It sounds very um, morbid, but they're going to have that um, that job uh, announced by the end of the week or the end of two weeks. So that they can get somebody and it's very sad they may send some some flowers or whatever and i know this is a very dramatic um uh example but you also have to think about like what's what's best for me and again i do agree with not build um burning bridges and i think part of that is the simple of, of notices um uh, respectful two weeks notice if you can um in certain situations if it's a promotion sometimes they want to bring you on asap and sometimes it's okay to be like look under normal circumstances, I would be trying to give y'all two weeks notice, but I can't. This is a great opportunity. And they're understand. And if they don't understand the moment, who's to say in one or two years, the people who were there when you were there are still there. Um, That's and, correct. And also your work will speak for you. There are a lot of unprofessional and crazy people in high dollar band positions because they know what to do and how to do it. Is it right? Maybe not. Right. But they, you know, but you still have to protect yourself. Again, it's, that's part of your brand. It's part of, you know, mapping out your career, um, but not always being so consumed with worrying about how you per be perceived. If you um, I, I say job hopping and moving for strategic opportunities are two different things. I would say job hopping, um, which I think this kind of um, deals with when you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to the competition. They may all where he's he's uh, he or she may be a gold digger and says all they're doing is trying to make money. And and to be frank, nothing's wrong with that. Show me my money because you still have to live. Um, but um, there are other times where that that job move is good for your future development, for where you're trying to go. I think for me, um, for a long, very long time, I wanted to become a senior executive service um, person within the federal government. Still not far from there. I'm just, I was a recently GS15. I left and now work for a consulting firm and could always go back. I got 16 years of government service. Um, so I have plenty of time. I'm only I'm not even 40 yet now, um, <laughs> but I have a lot of time before I retire. Um, so for me, this opportunity, this recent choice for me to leave and somewhat weigh those options like, ooh, would you give me if I stay, you know, um, I had to weigh that against, okay, taking this new opportunity, learning a lot of stuff, getting a lot of exposure, making more money, um, getting some some much needed uh, professional experience and, and professional development outweighs me having a, a cushy um, leadership position where every day it's kind of like not really new challenges, but like status quo type stuff. And mm -hmm. I'll just say your boy gets a little bored sometimes. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know not, not to digress here, but um, there is... Uh, I've witnessed in some of the interview panels I've sat on where resume reviews where we, not we, but some of the individuals would look at those resumes and they would specifically look at those those candidates out, that have <laughs> that have job hopped, if you will, right? And and 
to your point, I don't think it's a negative piece to that. I think it's always a story behind every move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but some individuals in hiring capacities look at that as, as a negative. And so just please, you know, as a listeners, you guys keep that in mind that, you know, there's always a story to be told. And yeah. if you could tell that somehow in your resume, um, I think that will benefit you tremendously um, mm-hmm. as opposed to letting these six months stint here, nine months there, 11 months here, you know, that's given, that could give the impression that you are hopping around and you would then continue to do the same thing if we hire you in this organization. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's into Paul's point. That's not necessarily the case. It may be a specific reason or specific reasons why you did move around, right. um, but just try to have that somewhere in the resume where it's articulated. And we will talk more about like resume techniques and tips in uh, the third part of this series. Mm-hmm. And so number five, um, avoid these five phrases. And the last one here is thanks anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So what you should say instead is when can we pick up this conversation again? (laughs) Not every negotiation will resolve quickly. And that's to the point you mentioned, Paul. Um, So occasionally you'll get uh, you'll get a no. But, you know, that doesn't mean that's the end of the conversation. Right. And if this was text or email, I would send that message with the little bulging eyes like, when can we pick up this conversation again? But um, but no, I it's what's interesting about this one is that when I said earlier about knowing how a company or a company culture uh, awards success and positive behaviors and also knowing their capability and capacity to award. Um, because again, we can pick up this conversation again, but budget constraints are because of how their performance management system is, they only give out certain type of awards at only certain times. Or if you have a horrible boss, then just, just there's just so many different layers to, um, to that ongoing conversation. I feel like it should be ongoing about how ways that you can be compensated. And I know we've said money this whole time, but it could be time off. That does, if you work in human capital, that, that work equates to money. Time off mm-hmm. is technically money. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, you know, stretch opportunities to help you better position yourself for future opportunities. There's always different types of compensation you can do. But again, knowing and understanding how rewards are given where you are and the capacity and capability of giving reward is important because you know that this is in the realm of possible and not possible by doing that research. Right, totally makes sense. All right, so as we talk about negotiating um, raises, and we just mentioned these five um, phrases to, avo- uh, to avoid, what do you offer, Paul, as, you know, through your many experiences, it could be private sector, public sector, you know, whatever you would like to offer, to the listeners when negotiating raises. And this could be, again, early career, mid-career, late career, wherever you are within your career path. Okay. Um, so earlier, so I'll back up a little, backtrack us a little bit. So earlier we talked about mapping out your career path and knowing where you want to go, which I feel is very important. And part of doing that is researching um, for, for what we, what some people say, your dream job. And so it was interesting. I was listening to a podcast and the guest was speaking on this very topic, you know, like people often ask me, or I often ask people like, what is your dream job? And some people be like, oh, I, somewhere where I want to make money, more money. Oh, I want a better boss. I want flexible hours. Uh, I want a hybrid schedule. I want to work from home full time. Um, and all of these things are great, but you you need more. Uh, and, and part of that is, um, you know, one, first knowing what activities at the lowest part, what activities or types of work makes me happy. Um, and I think it's important, like, you know, people get mixed up between passion and what you're really good at. Like I may have a passion to play basketball, recreational basketball, which I do, um, but I am good at tennis. <laughs> I am <laughs> really good at tennis. And so, you know, if I had to try to me, make- guys. We'll see. Hands down. Uh, <laughs> But if I had to make money, I mind you, I probably couldn't make money off of either one of them. But if I had to bet on one, I would do tennis because that's what I'm good at and it makes me happy. Mm -hmm. So when you're, you know, trying to kind of find that dream job concept for yourself, what activities or types of work that I'm good at and makes me happy? 
Um, two to that would be what type of work culture I wish to work in. And again, I know we're talking about compensation and raises, but this is a very important part to understanding how to negotiate and understanding what's in the realm of possibility. Because you may work for a, and especially with federal agencies, they have different nuances than commercial companies where they may have, uh, as we say, a big bag to shell out some money, but you have to know how to get that. Um, so what type of work culture do you wish to work in? Um, you know, we talked about, you know, the type of boss, the, the uh, ranking structure, the firm I work for right now, don't have a boss. We, it's, you know, very flat in the sense of, you know, normally, you know, you work directly with your client or your project team, you have a coach, um, and, uh, a resource manager that helps with different, find you different projects when one ends, um, and for another one to begin, but you don't have a boss. So you might like that structure or you might like more structure. I've worked for a department of army, uh, within DOD, DHS uh, for a few years, for quite a few years. And most of those, well, DODs especially, they love structure. They love a very rigid um, uh, rigid processes and, and structures. Is that something you want to do? And then there are other agencies that don't have as much structure and looking for people to come and bring a more flexible structure or standard uh, to business. So knowing what type of culture you wish to work in and wh which ones you thrive in is, is important because again, you can't get the money unless you're doing well at your job most times. Uh, and so, so keep that in mind. Another thing, you know, money is important. Don't let anyone make you feel bad about, oh, well, you just want money. You have to live. You have to support yourself and whatever dependence you may have. Um, you have a lifestyle. I know I like to eat. <laughs> so, you know, and, and eat nice. You know, we all have our, our vices. I would say our interests. Um, XQC, right. yours is technology. Every time I look up, there's something new. But yep, I benefit it. from that because when you get a new one, I get the old one. So I'm good with that. <laughs> um, you you have, you know, I like to play, you know, recreational sports. I like to work out. So I invest. That, that takes money, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I invest in that. So don't let anyone make you feel less than or inferior because, oh, you're focusing on the money. The money does matter. Um, how you couch it might be, you know, um, better desired, but money is important. And then the last one on, you know, researching your, your dream job, um, what skills um, are needed now? Like what skills do you have now or you need now to break into this industry or break into this type of job? Um, most times if you're a early careerist or mid careerist, you're already in the field. You're already doing what you what you want to do um, most times. And then sometimes as a mid-careerist, you are like, okay, I've been working uh, for 16 years. You know, where what's my trajectory? Where, where I'm projecting myself? And so for me, like I said earlier in the first podcast, our first um, part of this series is that, you know, I've been at an impasse for the last three years of like, okay, Paul, what's next for you? Where are you going? You know, you've worked for um, the government for, I think, 14, 15 years. Well, I'll say 14 years and I did some consulting and now doing the consulting again, but what's next? And so for me, my personal example is that, you know, the government has become maybe a little bit too rigid and too inflexible for me um for the type of uh professional and careerist i've become I, I think i stated before in the first um part of this series is that you know initially i i wanted to be a generalist in my career field then i became a specialist working specifically in media relations media management and then now back to a general you know thought leader and consultant practitioner because i have learned so many different offerings and do so many different offerings well and get so many different compliments in all these other areas. I want to do it all. And knowing that about myself helps me to navigate and project my career and to edit my path uh, accordingly. And so not only do you want to know what skills you need now, but what skills must I develop uh, to advance? And I put that to advance in parentheses because, you know, again, you might want to develop it because it's a passion project for you, but Skills nowadays um, equate to money. Um, for example, uh, this other person on the, this, this other human, this other alien on this phone. Um, we all know, aliens, all of us. Look at a mirror right you now, you're alien. Black belts, Lean Six Sigma, Agile, project management, like all these different things that, you know, one can... Uh, can dive into uh, process improvement, change management, 
getting certifications in these things can equate to money. So when you're negotiating these salaries, again, knowing what skills you have now to do your job, knowing what skills that you implement right now, but aren't required or needed according to your position description is, is, is best to know when negotiating salaries and raises. And above all else, what skills do I need to continue to advance? I mean, you can't be using, uh, and I know it sounds uh, very ghetto, but you can't be using <laughs> 2005 certs for 2021 money. Like, like you, That's true. you have, and, and it sounds weird, and I, and and they're very ratchet because I'm a rat. Um, but you That's have to know, he's <laughs> a rat. But you have to be cognizant of what skills are needed now um, to advance or to to even approach different salary ranges. I mean, to be fair, there might be 28 candidates that look like Paul Prince, but what are these niche offerings and highlighted things that I can put in my resume? I can tout in my branding of my bumper sticker and my elevator pitch to answering questions, uh, maybe stars um, format or SOMA um, uh, format of what situations I've been in, the tasks that I personally played in the actions I implemented and then the results of that. Um, how can I weave in, you know, those skill sets and different experiences I've had that makes me stand out um, from other um, candidates? And we'll talk about interviewing. We'll talk about resumes a little bit later. But again, the crux of all this research um, can result in you, you know, better being able to to plot out your career, better being able to negotiate and uh, raises and salaries. And then, of course, the, the part three of the series is, you know, being better at, you know, navigating yourself to these different opportunities. May it be the interview, may it be the resume, your online presence, all of that stuff starts with you researching what your your dream job looks like. Then again, I'll do a quick recap on that. Um, you know, the type of work culture you want to be in, what activities and work you do, that you're good at that makes you happy, the type of money you need to make or that you want to make because you have to live, you have to survive. Um, and then what skills are needed now, what skills you need to develop and what skills you need to have in the future to advance. Oh, makes total sense. I love all of it. It doesn't necessarily go directly to necessarily negotiating like I want this X dollar amount. It's all those other factors that play into uh, making that decision of determining what is the necessary amount that's necessary for you at that time. So I like that. And as we pivot into, um, we talked about raises, I think all those are good. And I know the part two of this section is salaries. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the research before. And so now, now where we are with our research. So with these salaries, um, one question you ask yourself, and I'm all, all about asking myself questions. Uh, people say when you start answering yourself, there should be a problem. No, you should be always asking yourself questions <laughs> and always <laughs> provided answers. You're not crazy, baby. You just prepare <laughs> um, <laughs> but when it comes to salaries, one question you should ask yourself, you know, what are others making in this field? A lot of companies and agencies and firms, these salaries are public. Mm -hmm. If you do the right Google search, if you um, have the right person in your connection, they can tell you the 411 on what other people are making um, in this field. Again, and this also goes well for negotiating raises. If you know what the, the industry standard is or what your agency capability is in providing compensation and you and you have the skill sets and performance to, to match, <laughs> then you should be able to negotiate that raise or that salary. Um, but part one of that or step one of that is knowing what people actually make in your field. So the second question I would say, ask yourself what unique or additional skill sets um, should you garner uh, for more compensation? Again, mapping out that career, knowing what that your perfect, your dream job looks like and knowing the qualifications and steps and things to do and processes in order to get there helps you to also identify those unique and additional skill sets that can transition or um, trans translate in, into money or compensation. Uh, like say, for instance, most recently, you know, X3C and I were talking about his um, recent um, uh, job um, promotion. And there are certain things in his former life uh, at the same agency that he was doing that, according to the PD or position description, he was not required to do or have, but he had those skill sets. So what would have been a very interesting 
and yet possibly productive conversation during performance rating, the end of the performance rating period is like, hey, I'm doing this job. Clearly, you are saying that, uh, you know, my work, ex my output and my contributions are freaking amazing. Um, I also bring X amount of different and unique skills to this job, which helps me to be this top performer. Show me the money. Uh, and I feel like that's a, a very um, earnest, positive and good, strong conversation to have, especially when you have the things to to back it up. Uh, another thing to consider when negotiating raises are even the salaries. What is your company or agency's ability ability to pay? Some have it, some some don't. That's a good uh, point. Yeah. Yeah, in the federal again, and understanding like your system, your performance management system is very important. Um, somebody told me this, um, and it might have been one of the trainings um, when I first started working for Department of Army. Um, you know, no one is responsible for your your career advancement or your development like you are. You are responsible for that, and so, and part of that is understanding the system in which you work and the system in which you will get compensated. And so, for instance, in government. Um, some agencies will give like blanket um, payouts. Some may have the possibility of getting, you know, quality, you know, pay increases. I always prefer the pay increases as the gift that keeps on giving, but that's just me. <laughs> um, but just knowing what's available. I know the current um, firm I work for, there are percentages. Um, so based on uh, different elements you're required based on your position level in the company, uh, if you hit those things, you are you have the, the probability to get a certain level of uh, payout or compensation. So understanding your system and how your system work is very important uh, Four, I would say be courageous yet realistic. Um, put yourself out in that limb because ultimately you you want one wants to be compensated for the great work they do and to and feel appreciated for all the different things um, that they do and contribute to their um, their company or agency. I think the courageous part comes in knowing what's possible, knowing your worth and knowing what you how your worth transitions to your agency or firm's bottom line and then put it out there. Having, you know, real ongoing conversations with management about how you feel about the work, how you feel about um, the successes you, you guys achieve and what are possibilities for compensation. Uh, realistic, again, comes in that perspective where you're understanding the capability and ability for companies to um, to give it. And you know what it also does? Uh, the realistic part, knowing that you may have a shitty boss <laughs> or, it, or a messed up system to where you aren't being compensated or you aren't being appreciated as you think you should. And again, the best time to look for a job is when you already have one. So <laughs> that is absolutely that, true. <laughs> take, take that how you will and how you want. But the best time to look for a job is when you already have one. I will tell you, uh, a many a boss <laughs> or jobs have pissed me off. And I will tell you, oh, it's time to apply, time to apply. And it could be a meantime emotional response. But again, it's the best time to look for jobs or best time to that. negotiate your yeah. options. Yeah, you definitely want to, uh, you know, leave on your own terms. Absolutely. And when you're ready, as opposed to when you feel stress or you have no way out, you know, those are hopeless, if you will. You don't want to ever really feel in that situation where you don't have control over your career and your destiny. And your destiny right. may sound like a... Uh, a video game right <laughs> which i play once a week um but i think it's important for everyone to to recognize you control your destiny mm -hmm. i have this thing that i tell um some of my friends and some people know this about me no one absolutely no one controls my emotional state i get to dictate my emotional state so if you're upset about something or if someone is yelling at me you're not going to get a response out of me because you're not going to control how i respond i'm going to respond how i choose to respond in every situation and so i think it's very important to pause point understanding where you are in your career and if it's time to look for a new job not there's no other way to do it but the present right apply to the jobs right now Yep. If you feel like you want to move and transition to a new career, right? You don't have to feel like you, you, you've you been pushed out of, the, out of the door, right? Mm -hmm. Take this career in control. Take your salary requirements in control, right? Have these conversations with your boss. Paul and one thing I tell people too, career. yeah, one, one thing I'll tell you too about applying for jobs, 
you're you're not committed until you sign that offer letter or you're not committed until you hit that button that says i i accept this job like you know i have a lot of friends who will ask advice about like jobs and progression and stuff and i'm like well are you applying are you putting yourself out there are you as we say in the south are you putting more irons in the fire like you have to put yourself out there there are very few people who are definitely stellar at their jobs, who are being sought out, you know, based on either online presence or just being known in their career field mm -hmm. for, you know, great contributions that they do. But you have to put yourself out there, even if you're not wanting to move, uh, maybe be move location, move job, move, move expertise. If you're not putting yourself out there in the, um, the right time, you're not, it's going to be, it's probable that you probably won't move as fast or get the opportunity in the time, um, that you have it. One of my um, old pastors would say, you have to, um, what it says, um, you have to achieve, no, you have to engage the opportunity in the lifetime of the opportunity. In a sense that, this is a different wording, but I can't remember what, a, oh, yeah, take, take advantage of the opportunity in the lifetime opportunity. Uh, opportunities aren't just out here, you know, just lasting for, for years and months and stuff like that. Sometimes there are doors that open and they close right back up in a certain time frame. We know like with government jobs, they, you know, there's a certain wave of time where people are transitioning, moving out or, or retiring or whatever. And as you go up on, on the government side, as you get higher, depending on what your, your career, um, uh, field is, um, the amount of positions get thinner, like they're less and less available at, you know, when you get to 13, 14 and 15 level uh, and, and definitely SES on the commercial side uh, could be different. Um, but with negotiating salads, so backing up a little bit. So and, and round it, corral, corralling myself. So with the negotiating salaries part from the government perspective, it's there's not little or nothing you can do. Um, it just depends on at what point are you negotiating salaries. If you are coming into the government um, from a non-government job, you have the opportunity to use past experiences, education, uh, certifications, and past salaries, actual salaries, to negotiate what your pay should be, either the same or a little bit more than what you were making before. Once you are in the government, it becomes a little bit more difficult for you to negotiate salaries. So with negotiating salaries, if I'm not mistaken, and definitely talk to your HR uh, resource management uh, person if you're a government worker, because it doesn't um, uh, trans, well, just to be sure. But I, I'm almost positive as being an employee and as a hiring manager, uh, once you're in, um, negotiating salary becomes a little bit more thin. Uh, you have to either rewrite your PD and and PD rewrites depending on HR professional because some of them won't rewrite it. They'll be like, well, are you performing these tasks or whatever? And you're like, yeah, well, that's what just your job. Um, but sometimes there are certain elements where your job may have evolved and you are, but you're not getting paid for that evolution, <laughs> but you're meeting those expectations. Um, that could be a PD rewrite and a grade uh, increase. And if you get the grade increase, then that's more money. Um, or if you get um, certain certifications and things or certain contributions and, and stellar performance, you could get payouts or step increases after that performance, um, the performance appraisal. But again, these are specific things that you have to hit in order to do that. Verse in the commercial sector, their promotion and incentive programs are much more flexible and much more uh, cushy. <laughs> and uh, I'm seeing dollars fall right now. But um, but, <laughs> um, but it's different on the commercial side uh, in the sense that with uh, coming in, again, depending on what, like with the current firm I work with right now, there is a range for each position. And so say, for instance, the range might be uh, 80,000 to 100,000 uh, as an example. And one school of thought that I use is, well, if I know the range of this this job for this firm or this company is um, between 80,000 and 100,000, I'm currently making, uh, let's say 84. I'm thinking about, okay, Paul, and this is realistic math that I use. So I'm just like, okay, what would be a realistic come up for me? And so I'll be like, uh, reasonably, people would think 10 to 15,000 would be a, a decent, relatively decent um, come up. 
So mm-hmm. I would add ten to fifteen thousand to what I'm currently making. So say that's like almost ninety thousand. Uh, it's ninety-four. No, not that's not. That'll be ninety-four, and then fifteen with ninety-nine. So I, you know, so if you're already making eighty-four, add ten to fifteen, maybe another cushion of of, uh, of ten thousand, and say, oh well, I'm looking to get. I'm seeking to get as close to 110 or 120 as possible. And they'd be like, oh, well, sounds good. You're very qualified. You're a very good candidate. We can't give you um, 120, but we can give you 100. That's a come up. That That's really, um, really good place to be in. And again, it's just working the numbers and you should already have that number in your head. I wouldn't, I mean, sometimes you, it's good to stick to your guns and be like, if you don't give me this, then I'm not coming over because you that, there might be a personal requirement for you. But if you're able to negotiate using that math and that buffer of 10 to 15 plus, um, then you may get closer to your your real number, you know, or more realistic number as possible. Um, and there there's other you know schools of thoughts out there um, for people. But a good thing that has worked for me, especially on the uh, non-government front, is looking at what I make now, adding 10 to 15K to that, and then maybe another buffer of 5, 10K, and saying these words, I am seeking to get closer to this amount. Um, but we I, we can negotiate, we can talk. And if your amount is technically over that range and you're still able to get more money, it come up um, versus, you know, you'd be like, oh, well, I'm making 84. I don't know my words, so I'm gonna say, oh, I'll take 94, I'll take 90. And the range could have been 150 had you done your research and you could have had almost $150,000. That's correct. Um, so you just, again, research is definitely important, like knowing your field, knowing what other people make, uh, what skills garner compensation, what's your company's ability to pay and, and, um, and award performance. Of course, being courageous enough to to develop your number and find your number, find your worth. And then, of course, getting into negotiations, um, but understanding the limitations between government and commercial is very, very important. I think that's uh, I want to highlight here. Definitely want to emphasize the portion of coming from private sector to government. It um, it's important to recognize that is probably the best time to negotiate the most um, in terms of your skill set, as Paul mentioned, your education, certifications, and um, your current salary range, right? I think those are ideal when moving from private sector to, to public sector um, in terms of salary. Now, now, granted, public sector, there's a cap there. You know, there's it, it, you can't not air quote get rich if you know working for in public sector uh, jobs. And obviously, you know, when competing, private sector has a lot more incentives in terms of the actual salary. But I can mm-hmm. say in a public sector, there are other benefits that can also um, be considered um, when considering uh, salary requirements. All right. So um, is there so I want to ask you this question here, Paul. Sure. Um, so is this two different things here? So if you are asking for a raise, then maybe you're at the wrong company. What are your thoughts about that? Hmm. I think it's twofold. If you're asking for a raise, maybe you're at the wrong company. I am 50-50 on that. Um, I would say yes if you've done your research, you know what you make, you know what's possible um, in this career field, you know the capability of your company, and they're not doing it. And especially after you have gone to them and they're and your manager or whoever is actively not trying to compensate you or is just very bad at doing so, um, there could be an HR discussion there. But if you are thinking about leaving most nine times out of 10, you probably are already halfway out of the door. So I would say, yes, you may be at the wrong company if you've done all that research and you know that for whatever reason, it may not happen, whether right or wrong. Um, but you do have um, mechanisms in place where, you know, go to HR and be like, hey, I know y'all can do this and they're not doing it. Or my boss has an axe to grind against me, I believe, because of these examples. Um, you know, there might be things that you can do. And um, the reason why I would say no is that sometimes you, as, as being a manager, you know, part of our responsibility is to to award and uh 
and uh, make sure that our our staff, our employees are are feel they feel welcome, they feel valued, they are compensated uh, appropriately. So sometimes it takes an extra conversation for that person to be like, oh, crap, I am so sorry. I forgot to put you in for this incentive um, award. Oh, crap, you have been doing a lot of great work. Um, and I've been even noticing it through the layers of, of leadership or whatever. Let's get you this um, this conversation. So it just depends. I mean, again, it goes back to knowing what can happen and where you are and how you measure up to um, I wouldn't even say the competition, just measure up to possibly getting um, negotiated races or whatever, but what makes it a point of maybe I'm at the wrong company um, is where you know that you're not getting what you need. Uh, and again, that's cultural research that you have to do. That's from personal experience that you have to live sometimes to figure it out. There's research with your HR manager who does not work for your boss. Um, that person works for everybody. <laughs> right. So they should be able to give you... Um, no hard barred information that can help you be successful in that arena. And I agree with all of that. I, I, I will also add, in my experience, I've done exactly what you said. I've talked to HR specifically about, you know, what, what things I can request mm-hmm. legally and can't request. And so once I, I've built that knowledge base, I actually, I think it's important to ask for a raise if you think it's warranted, right? right. Um, I don't think it's wrong at all. Um, excuse me. Oh, and I'm glad you said that. And if they say, if you ask for a raise, again, like you said, there's nothing wrong with asking for a raise. And if you ask for a raise and you're like, oh, I don't think you're there yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, great comment. Um, can you expound on that? Can you tell me more? Exactly. Um, and you, you, if that is where the conversation pivots to, then you figure out, so what are your expectations? And again, these are questions going into, you know, taking a new job, going into a new uh, rating period, um, you expectations of performance and success need to be asked then. So as you matriculate through your day to day and major projects, you're able to um, to map out like, okay, Paul, you have to make sure you hit this many um, uh, client hours. Um, you have to do X many um, internal organization support or. Um, elective type stuff, maybe on a committee or whatever, um, you know exactly what you have to do in order to to be able to to garner those raises. Now, if you've um, documented that person's expect or your management's expectations and you've documented that you've achieved those things and they still have not done that, then you have a good case to be like, hey, HR, I've these were the expectations. Here's you know what I've done or here's our document I've done. What are my options here or what can I do? That's another healthy conversation for you to have. That's absolutely correct. And I would uh, also add when I when I did ask for that particular raise um, in one of those few years ago, you know, I didn't get it, actually. And I was a little bit bummed out um, initially. And I received some information, you know, I have a lot of great working relationships um, that there were a set number of raises that was, you know, handed out that particular year. And there were some other individuals who received it above me and immediately I understood I, because I know the work and worth of those other individuals and they absolutely deserved it. Not to say I didn't deserve it, but I know that those two individuals absolutely deserved it. So um, it didn't work out that year, but fast forward one year later, I got that raise at this time. I didn't ask for it. But it was, you know, I guess my time or my turn in line, if you will. And that may seem, you know, not necessarily what one may want to hear. But for me, I was okay with that because it was understandable of how the the raise process worked. And uh, and for me, I was okay with it. Um, So, you know, I would say one major takeaway from negotiating raises or uh, obtaining salary and salary requirements it's to remain positive at all times and, and understand who you are and your type of skill. And, and those questions that Paul mentioned earlier, those important questions to ask yourself. Um, I think all of that is important to consider um, when 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 talking about raises and be very confident that it is nothing wrong with asking and having the conversation. You're just having a conversation. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, in a no 
is not the end of the world. A no is just a no for that moment or that time. Right. And I think if you remember the article that uh, X3, X3C talked about and the language that they, the negative language that they use, it was very, um, I lost my train of thought. It was very uh, unsure. It wasn't mm -hmm. confident language. Oh, I think I should get this. Or, right. you know, it's actually me. I have it up here on my screen, but it's very negative language. It's unsure. Like, oh, well, thank you anyway. Or um, I was hoping uh, I'm going to have to, you know, check out the competition. It sounds very passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. Or I just want more money. Like you're not really telling a hiring official or your boss, like, here's what I, I do. Here's how it benefits or how much value it brings the company. And here's what others may be able to make. Here's what I want. It's, it's professional. It's knowledgeable. You're you're educated on on what's in the realm of possibility, and you're articulating it well. So yeah, that passive aggressive language is yeah, it'll, it'll probably set you up for failure because they'll perceive that as a oh he's not he or she is not um, or this person is not uh, confident even in what they're asking. So why should I be confident and giving it to them? Right. So so also be cognizant of the delivery. Makes total sense. All right, guys. So if you've made it here, you've already two thirds through the Jungle series. Again, Yay. this is the part two of the Jungle series, securing the corporate bag. So hopefully we gave you guys a lot of information on how to secure the corporate bag, how to secure that money, how to get that dough. <laughs> right. So uh, we have one more episode to go in this series of the Jungle series. And this the final episode of the series is serving the corporate face. Very important, ladies and gentlemen, serving the corporate face. So I would say please consider joining us again next week to finalize the three-part series. Also consider supporting this channel by downloading the Pie Bean app, which the link is, can be found in my description, and consider purchasing what is called Golden Beans and donate those Golden Beans to No Pants Required. Remember, positive energy leads to positive vibes. Don't forget to subscribe if this is your first time joining. No Pants Required can be found on Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Peace.